Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to another shilling episode of London Ask and Answered, the podcast where the capital's curiosities come to light. I'm your host, Sasha, here to unravel the mysteries that shroud the great city of London. Today, we continue our ominous journey back to the dark alleyways of Whitechapel as we delve deeper into the enigma that is Jack the Ripper. In the last episode, we trailed the cold breeze of death down the foggy lanes, unearthing the tales of terror from 1888. The Ripper's shadow loomed large over the city, leaving in its wake a trail of unsolved murders that have haunted us for over a century. Now as the gas lamps flicker once again in the eerie silence of the night, we return to the scene of the crimes in part two of our saga Whispers in Whitechapel. Today we'll sift through the cobblestones of history, edging closer to the phantoms of the past as we try to decode the enigma wrapped in a riddle veiled in the mists of Victorian London. Our journey will ferry us through the theories and suspects. The societal uproar and the indelible marks left behind by this phantom of old London town. With each step, the echoes of the Ripper's cold steel whisper through the annals of time, a grim reminder of the faceless terror that once roamed the night. So brace yourselves as we step back in time through the wheel of the unknown, into the heart of a mystery that refuses to die. Gather round curious souls, for as the night descends upon the coupled streets of Whitechapel, we venture further into the ghostly whispers of London's dark past. In those days, the haunting specter of Jack the Ripper loomed like a ghostly shroud over the fog-choked street. At the whisper of a murder, a chill of fear would sweep through Whitechapel and beyond, as folks trembled at the thought that the Ripper had claimed another soul. The dread was not confined to Whitechapel. The very name of the Ripper evoked a bone-chilling fear, a ghastly melody of death that played in the hearts of the nation. The thought of the Ripper leaving his dark haven of Whitechapel to stalk new grounds left an icy fear lingering in the shadows. In the heart of this darkness, the brave souls at Scotland Yard waged the silent war against this unseen fiend. 
The silent vigils at Lehman Street Police Station were their solemn vow to the restless spirits of Whitechapel. A sexual maniac, they speculated. A demon that wore the guise of a man lurking in the black veil of night, haunting the asylums and the silent halls of Broadmoor. A name whispered in fear amongst the hollowed eyes of the damned. Yet, amid the ceaseless tide of unused letter and cries of despair, not a single clue to unmask the goal was found. Walter Dew recalled the storm of vengeance that brewed in the hearts of the people. The Ripper was a phantom, a ghostly figure of death that walked amongst them, his very existence a ghastly melody of fear that played in the dark corners of their minds. The tale of Laser Apron was a stark reminder of the mob's thirst for blood. A suspect, a mere shadow cast by the dark myth of the Ripper, brought to the brink of death by a heart blinded by fear and rage. The Ripper was a spectre that haunted the very soul of Whitechapel, a ghostly figure that cast a long cold shadow upon the hearts of London. As the cries for Leather Apron faded into the ghostly whispers of the night, a new chilling cry echoed through the fog-choked streets, a cry that would send shivers down the spine of London, Jack the Ripper. The eerie letters that followed were dark whispers from the abyss, haunting verses of death penned by the unseen hand of the Ripper. The dear boss letter was a ghastly promise of blood, a spectral omen that danced upon the graves of Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes. Detective Inspector Edmund Reed, a lonely sentinel in the night, searched tirelessly for a trace, a mere whisper of the phantom that had left a scar upon the soul of Whitechapel. The silent vigil of the police was a lonely battle against the unseen, a ghostly war waged in the shadows. The search was a dance with death, a haunting melody that played in the heart of the night as they scored the cursed grounds for a trace of the fiend. Yet the Ripper was a ghost, a spectral figure that vanished into the fog, leaving behind nothing but the cold, haunting echoes of death that would forever haunt the dark alleys of Whitechapel. Upon the ghostly veil of night, Constable Henry Lamb arrived at the forsaken scene and his testimony later breathed a chilling tale of what his eyes beheld there. He veiled as many details as he could, protecting the fragile public from the macabre truth, yet his words echoed with dread. I dispatched the other constable for the nearest keeper of life and death, the doctor, while to the ghastly scene that had unfolded. As I stepped into the yard, about 30 souls bore witness to the dread, their numbers growing with each second as the news of the death spread through the night. None dared to go near the body. The fear was palpable. As I examined the deceased, the crowd circled around the scene like vultures, but I beseeched them to stay back, lest they tainted their garb with the essence of death. My hand trembled as it touched the cold, lifeless face. I searched for a pulse, a sign of life amidst the wheel of death, but found none. The shrill cry of my whistle slice through the night, summoning assistance from beyond. The poor soul lay on her left side, the ground now her eternal bed. Her arm lay across her chest as though she embraced the reaper. Her face, now void of life, was but a few inches from the club wall. 
The silence of the yard spoke volumes. There were no signs of a struggle, no signs of mercy. The blood, once warm, now began its cold journey, flowing eerily towards the kitchen door of the club. A small part of it had already surrendered to the cold, congealing near her lifeless form. The rest seemed to follow suit. I strained my eyes, but the flow from her throat had ceased, her life force extinguished. Dr. Blackwell, the harbinger of grim confirmations, arrived in what seemed like an eternity later. His arrival only confirmed the inevitable, as he examined the lifeless form and its surroundings. Dr. Phillips and Inspector Pinhorn soon followed, each step unraveling more of the eerie tale that had unfolded in the silence of the night. The arrival of other constables was heralded by my desperate call for assistance. And as they arrived, the yard was sealed off from the world, but not from the relentless grasp of death that now hovered over us all. This was while Dr. Blackwell examined the final resting place of the victim, a scene that bore witness to the morbid reality of existence. Before this, the gates stood wide open, an invitation to the unknown. The feet of the deceased extended just to the swing of the gate, as though her body marked the threshold between the living and the dead. Dr. Blackwell, now a bearer of grim truth, was inquired about the sinister fate of Stride. His words sent shivers down the spine of those who heard. I deducted that a sinister hand grasped the silk scarf that adorned her neck, pulling her to the cold embrace of death as the blade caressed her throat. The cut might have been made as she descended into darkness, or perhaps when she lay on the cold ground, waiting for the reaper. Had she been standing, her blood would have been danced in horror across the yard. His revelation about the time of her death sent shockwaves through the room. She had been among the departed for about 20 to 30 minutes when I arrived. Despite the ghostly chill in the air, rain had not kissed her attire. The morbid dance of death had been slow, a cruel ballad due to the incomplete severance of her life veins. This revelation held a sinister implication. Someone might have stumbled upon the scene while the reaper was still at play, halting his symphony of death that he had orchestrated with any Chapman or Nichols. The eerie melody of death echoed through the halls as Dr. Phillips conducted the autopsy. His meticulously examination unveiled the grim details that veiled the deceased. A ghastly discoloration adorned her shoulders. The mark of the reaper was evident. A clean cut, a final kiss of the blade was present on her neck, a sinister signature left by the hand of death. The vessels that once danced with the rhythm of life now lay still, severed by the cruel blades that brought darkness upon her soul. The fatal dance had been swift, yet the eerie tranquility of her final resting pose spoke volumes of the sinister choreography that had unfolded. Her hand held a packet of cashews, perhaps a final attempt to taste the sweetness of life before it was mercilessly snatched away. As the gloom of night cast a pall over the city, the sinister tale of Stride's end echoed through the forsaken streets. The ominous whispers of death beckoned the men of the Lord to delve deeper into the abyss, to unveil the phantoms that lurked in the shadows. 
Yet, each clue unraveled only birthed more questions, shrouding the tale in a cloak of enigma that seemed to stretch into the eternal void, leaving the hearts of men frozen in the relentless grasp of fear. The inquiries into the ghastly fates of the women stirred some among the jurymen, whose veins ran cold with the realization of police inaction. They ached to know why the constabulary hadn't ventured this way or that, though memory fails to recall any among them plunging into the shadows to lend a hand. Amidst the chilling air, one juror at the inquest of Mrs. Nichols bellowed from a void of frustration. Why don't the police offer a reward? His voice quivered through the cold silence. Had Mrs. Nichols been a dame of fortune, Residing in the West End, a bounty of 1,000 pounds would have surely been pledged. Yet, she's but a pauper, a ghost amongst the living, hence they turn a blind eye. These women, though shrouded in misfortune, possess souls as any other, and for that I pledge 25 pounds to anyone who could lead us to the phantom who did this. His words vanished into the cold night air, echoing through the realms of living and dead. The fact of the matter is the home office seldom treats with their reasons wheeled in a shroud of secrecy. The police, bound by chains of command, can't utter such promises without the whispers of approval from the higher echelons. Let it be known, it was not the clinking of coins that hindered the pursuit. Police in public a phrase that haunted the days of yore, were striving to pull the spectre into the light. No sum could have enticed the righteousness, no soul desired blood money. Should the demon have been unmasked, gold and silver would have poured from pockets of both affluence and penury. Such was the terror that gripped the heart of the city. Unofficial whispers of the rewards echoed through the fog-ridden streets, Magnates and men of means declared their readiness to part with fortunes for the one who could bring the Ripper into the day. Alas, the moon waned yet the phantom snare evaded capture. The pledges of rewards lay frozen in the cold night, never to be claimed. In the aftermath of the double tragedy, the desire for retribution brewed, stirring many to pledge rewards for the capture of the unseen menace. The chilling winds carried the eerie whispers of the posters that appeared in the gloom of Whitechapel. The words screaming into the void, apprehension sought murder, 500 pounds reward, City of London, whereas in the ghostly hours of 1.45 a.m. on the cursed night of Sunday the 30th of September, a soul name unknown was discovered, her life extinguished amidst the shadows of Mitre Square, Old Gate in this accursed city. Another shiver ran down the spine of London as a grislier offer was released from the veil of darkness carrying with it a sketch of the being that now haunted the city's every shadow. The cold, merciless eyes of the possible assailant stared from the poster into the abyss. The chill of October 16th bore, with its a tale most grotesque. George Lusk, then guardian of Whitechapel as the president of the Vigilance Committee, delved into the abyss as he opened his mail to find him a carp gift. A box cradling a human kidney, preserved in the sorrowful tears of wine, and a note from hell. Mr. Lusk, sir, 
I sent you half the kidney I took from one maiden and preserved it for you. To the piece I fried and I ate it was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that took it out, if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk. The sinister charm of the From Hell letter lay in the cold, eerie reality of the kidneys that accompanied it, presumably a relic of Edo's tragic fate. Yet, as the ink of the Ripper's name was absent, it opened a door to a realm of mysteries. Was it a murder jest by a medical lost in the macabre, or a sinister whisper from the shadows? As the tale unfolds, the ghastly scene at Mary Jane Kelly's dwelling on November 9th would forever remain etched in the darkness that engulfed London. Her earthly remains lay butchered beyond mortal comprehension in the haunting silence of her room. The tale of her last breath spoke through the eyes of Caroline Maxwell and Thomas Boyer, bore the cold, eerie realization of the phantom that danced amidst them. Inspector Frederick G. Abelene of Scotland Yard ventured into the void, chasing the shadows that veiled the terror of Jack the Ripper. The veil of mystery shrouded the gruesome tale of Mary Jane Kelly's end. The discovery of the autopsy records in the late 1980s sent a shiver down the spine of time, unveiling the horrors that befell her in the cold, eerie silence of that cursed November night. As the darkness of the Ripper's tale enveloped the city, the cold winds whispered to the sorrowful tunes of despair and fear. The eerie silence of the unknown, the cold merciless eyes of the phantom lurking in the shadows, haunted the nights of London, forever echoing through the annals of time. The eerie whisper of discontent twined through the fog-shrouded streets, reaching the cold stone halls of Matthew's decision were forged in the embers of despair that gripped the city. Some murmured from the shadows that his department should unfurl a reward, a promise of gold to lure the secrets lurking in the enshrouded hearts of London. But Matthews, with a shiver of foreboding, disagreed. His utterance echoed the lessons from a ghostly past when one of his predecessors had discovered that the practice of offering large and sensational rewards in cases of grievous transgressions was but a dark and twisted path leading nowhere. Such promises burst not but hollow hopes, satisfying the clamor for action, yet sowing seeds to deceit and lethargy amongst the guardians of law. A curse that bore false testimony, whispering lies instead of truth. Hence, with the sorrowful burden of wisdom, he forsook the practice of rewards. For there were but shadows, fleeting the elusive, hindering the pursuit of justice in the veil of night that had been enshrouded the city. Yet, amidst the mournful cries for justice, a solitary beam of hope pierced the gloom as Parliament, with a breeze of icy resolve, approved a pact, an offer to those who might have danced with death, yet now sought to unveil the phantoms that lurked and missed them. The night soon bore witness to handbills, their words a cold promise, whereas on the cursed nights of November 8 or 9 in the haunted shadows of Miller's Court, Dorset Street, Spitalfields, the lifeblood of Mary Janet Kelly was cruelly silenced by hands unknown. 
The Secretary of State shall beseech Her Majesty's pardon for any soul, save the demon who conjured this atrocity, who shall unveil the darkness that begged this malevolent act. Signed, Charles Warren. The authorities with hearts of ice and ice that pierced the gloom knew well the gesture was but a forlorn hope. For the sinister dance of death was believed to be the ghastly work of a lone spectre, a serial fiend whose shadow cast a pall over the heart of London, Sir Charles Warren. As the cold of winds whispered the tales of despair, the stalwart protectors of justice sought to unveil the mysteries that cloaked the abyss. Witnesses, their eyes bearing the haunted memories, emerged from the fog to share the eerie tales. Marianne Cox, a soul whose fate was intertwined with the damned Mary Jane Kelly, spoke of a sinister figure, a man of stout heart and shabby cloak, whose eerie silence in the night bore the chill of death. His presence, a cold whisper in the gloom, was a tale of dread retold by the eyes of Londra Sarah Lewis, who too saw this harbinger of doom. Her recollection bore a more sinister tale of a night when a pale spectre approached her. His black eyes wheeled in the shadows, bearing a dark leather bag that seemed to pulsate with macabre secret. His eerie invitation into the abyss sent a shiver down her spine, a chill that echoed through the night. In the aftermath, as the cold hands of time slowly turned the pages of despair, The investigators who once delved into the dark abyss could not escape the haunting whispers of what if. Walter Dew, now a weary soul seeking solace on the wind-swept shores of Sussex, pondered the eerie dance of fate and chance that allowed the phantom to elude the vigilant eyes that sought to unveil the evil that lurked in the heart of London. As a new century dawned, bringing with it the promise of light to pierce the gloom, the ghosts of the past clung to the shadows that veiled the heart of the mystery. The emergence of forensic whispers promised to unveil the secret that lay hidden in the blood-stained letters of dread. But alas, the cold hands of fate had left a scant trail of evidence, leaving the spectral face of Jack the Ripper veiled in the shadows, an enigma that would haunt the dark alleys of Whitechapel through the cold winds of time. First, let us delve into the eerie abyss, striving to conjure the visage of a fiend such as Jack the Ripper. This inquiry shrouded in shadows shall be the lantern in the murky past to identify the demon we've named as he. In the first place, he wouldn't be a mer-boy nor a feeble elder, not a youth, for he'd lack the sinister past ripe to birth such a mania, not an elder for the vigor. The swift grace of a phantom and the audacity to orchestrate the stance of death would evade him. What dark rites could have spawned such a mania? It's a shilling thought that the lust to slaughter the harlots who fell prey to Jack is not as uncommon as moonlight in a sun-scorched desert. The seeds of this bloodlust in most cases are sown by the gnarled fingers of constitutional melody breeding a burning desire to exact vengeance upon the ilk believed to be the source of one's torment. This lends a spectral clarity to the visage of the Ripper, 
A man passed the bloom of youth, yet not withering into oblivion. Endured enough lunar cycles to have been cradled by suffering, both of the mind and flesh. The mere suspicion of being tainted by the venom, even when baseless, often births the same mania. The Sun, February 13, 1894. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A century of two decades after the Ripper's reign of terror ceased, the veil of mystery around Mary Jane Kelly's gruesome fate remains as thick as London ghostly fog. No mind could rest, no heart could seize its tremor, until the ghastly enigma of the Ripper's identity was unveiled. The London press in particular was spellbound, bewitched by the sinister allure of the mystery. On a bone-chilling February morning in 1894, the sun cast a ghastly light on its own suspect, sending shivers down the spine of London. Three eerie years after drifted into the abyss, since the reaper seized his harvest of souls, such as assassination hints in vanishing, in one form or another, of the harbinger of death. Yet, beyond the specter of capture or the cold embrace of death, there lies a third, more sinister path. The ghastly deeds could only be the handiwork of a deranged soul, a lunatic whose thirst for blood might have been thwarted, perhaps inflicting mere wounds of fear and caught in these lesser acts of malevolence. He may have been locked away in silence, away from the prying eyes of the world. This, we believe, is the fate that befell the phantom known as Jack the Ripper. He was first enchained under the guise of a perilous lunatic. In the council's bleak narrative, in the solicitor's eerie instructions, echoed the same shilling suspicion. He was believed to be Jack the Ripper. He was cast into the cold stone heart of a madhouse, where he might have vanished into oblivion, his dark secrets buried with him, if not for a spine-shilling clue that led a son's emissary to the trail. The tale grew darker as it veered into the nocturnal encounter of a man known as the W.K., of a man known only as W.K. At the witching hour of 10.30 on a cold March night in 1891, a shadowy figure lurked near a desolate ruin in North London. Close to a railway that bore the silence of the night, W.K. with his beloved, crossed paths with a tall spectral figure. 
His demeanor was frantic, his visage ghastly, with his collar veiling his throat and his head shadowing his eyes. He begged them for sanctuary, from the shadowy runners chasing him for a reward as a sinister as 500 pounds. The eerie knight carried his desperate cries as he darted to a door, pretending to seek entrance, only to rejoin WK when the phantom cab passed into the night. His ramblings, though frantic, bore a dark secret. They say I'm Jack the Ripper, but I am not, though I've seen the abyss within them. I am but a healer, of flesh, yet now, a harvest of death, the hunters seek me for the accursed reward, for they believe I am the reaper who's been calling the harlots. His words sent a cold shiver down WK's spine as the knight carried the echoes of the ripper's ghostly whispers. The sun's cold finger pointed at Thomas Cutbush, a young medical acolyte confined to the eerie halls of Broadmoor since 1891. After his mind descended into the abyss and his hands sought to stab the innocents, the sun unleashed a torrent of cold accusations against Catbush. Yet the police saw naught but shadows in their claim. Infuriated by the sinister spectacle, Sir Melvin Magneton unveiled a memorandum naming the ghost of his own suspect, yet shedding a cold light at Catbush's tail. The tale spun by the sun, veiled in chilling sensation, speaks of Thomas Catbush. Found to be a lunatic, he was cast into the abyss during Her Majesty's pleasure. His tale intertwined with dark tales of stabbings that haunted the vicinity before he was captured. His blade bore a different signature to the one who sought to imitate the Ripper's harvest. His movements during the nights of the Whitechapel horrors remain veiled in shadows. His blade bought in the haunted alleys of Houndstitch, merely a week before his descent into madness. Catbush, the nephew of the late sub-executive, remained a ghost in the tale of the Ripper's ghastly reign. Magneton's cold reasoning saw naught, but a faint shadow of the Ripper's in Catbush. The fury of the mutilations bore a ghostly crescendo, the hunger seemingly deepened by indulgence. It's a shilling thought that the Phantom would halt his harvest in November 88, only to return with a myrrh prick for the blade some two years and four months since. A more boss shilling theory is that the Ripper's mind shattered into oblivion after his ghastly feast in Miller's court, leading him to embrace death or be cast into a madhouse by those who feared the monster within him. His gaze then turned into his own spectres of suspicion. Mr. M.J. Druitt, believed to be a healer, yet bore the dark bloodline of a noble house, vanished into the shadows when the Reaper claimed Miller's court. His corpse discovered in the murky Thames seven weeks since, bore the icy grip of death for over a month. He was a creature of sexual madness, and private whispers led me to the eerie belief that his own bloodline feared he was the reaper who stalked the knights of Whitechapel. Indeed, the sinister tapestry of the Whitechapel horrors is woven with threads of madness, death and the dark silhouette of the ripper, the phantom butcher of London's fox-shrouded knights. As the ghostly fog curled around the gas lamps, the shadows seemed to whisper the cursed name Druid. 
A barrister and educator by daylight, his mind was the eerie playground of monstrous fantasies that unfurled under the haunting glow of the moon. With the chilling demise of Mary Jane Kelly, the sinister ballad of death ceased its dance upon the cobblestones of Whitechapel, coinciding eerily with Druid's plunge into the abyss. As the clock ticked mercilessly forward, the ghoulish reverie of the murders transmuted into whispers of the Polish Jew Kosminski, whose mind was the unholy vessel of grotesque visions. The asylum shuddered at his arrival, the walls themselves seeming to recoil from the chilling frost of homicidal desires that clung to him. Yet, amidst the rabbit holes of madness echoing through the haunted halls, his innocence in this macabre theatre of Whitechapel emerged like a ghostly veil amidst the storm of accusations. The spectral dance of death whispered again the name of another, the elusive fiend known as Michael Ostrock. His past, a dark forest of criminal enigma, seemed to beckon the spectre of the Ripper. Yet, with each veiled accusation, the elusive phantom slipped further into the murky abyss, ever distant from the desperate grasp of justice. As the sun cast long shadows upon the bloody annals of Whitechapel, the name of George Chapman emerged from the darkness, his deeds a sinister echo of the horrors that once gripped the heart of London. Though the cold hand of justice clasped him in its grasp, the shadow of the Ripper seemed to laugh from the shadows, its ghastly mystery an internal curse upon the haunted streets of Whitechapel. With each passing day, the monstrous visage of the Ripper seemed to morph and shift like the shadows cast by the flickering gas lamps upon the cobbled streets. The insidious whisper of the name William H. Burry emerged amidst the chilling winds, as did the ghastly spectre of Frederick Deeming, their monstrous acts a dark mirror of the soul of the Ripper. And amidst the ghostly echoes of the past, Robert Dunstan Stevenson's found himself entranced by the haunting melody of death that seemed to resonate from the depths of Whitechapel's cursed grounds. His mind, a dark labyrinth of morbid theories, seemed to beckon the chilling caress of suspicion, yet the spectral veil of the Ripper's identity shrouded the truth in a cloak of everlasting night. As the pale moon cast its ghostly glow upon the city, the faces of the accused seemed to blend into the shadows, their features morphing into the ghastly visage of the Ripper. His ghostly laugh seemed to echo through the twisted alleys of Whitechapel. The chilling tale of horror forever etched upon the haunted heart of London. Through the wheel of time the Ripper's shadow looms large, an internal spectre whose ghastly whisper is carried upon the winds of horror. Its chilling tale a dark legacy forever bound to the soul of the ancient city. Amid the veil of cold mist and the murky annals of time, tales of hundreds of suspects have been etched in the haunting legend of the Whitechapel murders. Yet none cast a darker, more chilling shadow than that of Prince Albert Edward, the Duke of Clarence and Avondale, son of Queen Victoria's son Bertie. Cloaked in the royal allure of enigmatic demeanor, the prince was only veiled in accusations 
when authors resurrected his name from the grave nearly a century later, weaving a grim tapestry of theories around him, each echoing through the cold, eerie hallways of history. Yet, a formidable veil of alibi shrouds the prince as the ancient Dutzlan royal court records bear silent witness to his distant whereabouts during the nights when the reaper's blade kissed the throats of the damned in Whitechapel. From the haunted moors of Yorkshire to the chilling wines of Scotland, the records painted a ghostly alibi that seemed to exonerate the royal blood from the macabre dance of death in the gaslit cobblestone streets of London. But the morbid tale twists into darker alleys, whispering names of other sinister specters from the royal court. James Kenneth Stevens, the tutor of Eddie with a dark mind, veiled in a misogynistic mist. Sir John Williams, the royal obstetrician, whose scalpel some claim sought forbidden truths in the dark crimson rivers of life, and Sir William Gull, the Queen's physician, whose carriage was whispered to have carried the spectre of death through the fog-choked street, driven by John Netley, a man as elusive as the morning's mist. As the ghostly hands of time turn the pages, the eerie tale of James Maybrick emerges from the spectral gloom, his name etched in a diary of death, claiming the ghastly title of Jack the Ripper. The diary, a ghastly vessel of horrific confessions, was revealed to the world by Michael Barrett, only to be denounced by its bearer as a macabre forgery. Yet, the spectral guise of Maybrick refused to fade into the abyss. The haunting notion of his dark deeds crossing the ocean to the shores of the New World twisted into the eerie fabric of Ripper lore. The tale, now a ghostly echo through the haunted corridors of history, continues to send shivers down the spine, each name a chilling whisper in the eternal night of Whitechapel's cursed legacy, forever entwined with a phantom that is Jack the Ripper. The eerie tale, a morbid melody played on the strings of the unknown, continues to haunt the dark, fog-choked streets of old London, an undying legend in the grim theatre of Victorian horrors. A chilling fog of mystery enshrouds the hovering tale of Jack the Ripper, his ghastly spectre ever lingering through the annals of crime. Through the dark wheel of time, countless theories have been spun, each a macabre dance with the unknown. The eerie shadow cast upon the coupled streets of Whitechapel sent shivers through the spine of society, feeling the moonlit nights with an unspeakable dread that clutched the heart of London in its cold, deathly grasp. The echo of the Reaper's blade resonates through the words of Walter Dew, his haunted recollections, a ghostly voyage into the mind of the unknown. As dark whispers entwined with the chilling night breeze, suspicions of a doctor or medical student behind the ghastly deeds were murmured. Yet the dark art of death requires no surgeon's skills, but the cold, unyielding hand of a butcher or perhaps the grim despondency of an East End soul. With every stroke of the Ripper's blades, the veil of normalcy was torn asunder, unveiling a realm of darkness where the grotesque dance of death pirouetted across the stage of reality. The eerie narrative spun by 20th and 21st century novelists like Patricia Cornwall 
invites the essence of a German painter, Walter Sickert, with the haunting melody of the Ripper's tale. Yet the spectral threat of truth eluded their grasp. As the dark walls of terror continued whispers of the Ripper's ghostly voyage across the Atlantic emerged from the abyss, his ghastly shadow looming over the streets of New York. The chilling words of death penned in a letter to Captain Ryan bore the haunting promise of a fate most grim. A dance with the Reaper that none could escape. The eerie notion that Jack may have been a Jill, a ghostly spectre veiled in feminine guise, crept through the minds of many. The spectral image of a woman veiled in blood, her hands the vessels of death, danced through the shadows of imagination. Among the dark figures cast upon the wall of suspects was Mary Piercy, her heart a vessel of malice, yet the spectral hand of the Ripper eluded her grasp. The marked tapestry of theory spun tales of dark secret societies. Their ghastly initial rides a dense macabre through the streets of Whitechapel. Yet the haunting echo of the Ripper's blade resonates through time, an eerie melody that veils the truth in a ghostly shroud. A chilling revelation emerged from the spectacle mist in 2014. The ghastly specter of Aaron Kosminski unveiled through the lens of science. Yet the haunting refrain from the Ripper's tale continues to enthrall the soul. A ghostly melody that enchants the heart of darkness within. With every spectral whisper of Jack the Ripper's name, the chilling caress of terror brushes against the veil of reality, unveiling a dark realm where the macabre dance of death pirates across the stage of the unknown. The eerie melody of the Reaper's blade continues to echo through the veil of time. Its ghostly tune, a haunting refrain in the dark symphony of mystery that is Jack the Ripper. As the dark veil of night lifts over Whitechapel, we find ourselves at the end of another eerie journey through London's grim past. But fear not, for the streets of London are ever teeming with mysteries, waiting to be unraveled and tales yearning to be told. Now, dear listeners, it's your turn to join the narrative. Have a burning question about London's mystifying nooks and crannies? Is there a ghostly tale or a historic enigma you're dying to know more about? Send your query through the Falkland Airways via email at hello at londonars.com or whisper them to me on WhatsApp at 0044-7700-182299. You can also drop your questions into the virtual postbox at londonars.com slash ask. Every whisper, every query brings us closer to unveiling the enigmatic heart of this ancient city. Now, if you found yourself entranced by the tales of old London town, there is more for you to explore. Follow the spectral trail on social media at London Ask or at CUNLDN and join the congregation of the curious in my Facebook group London Ask. Ah. And before the ghosts of the old city backing you away, remember to grab a copy of the newly updated second edition of London Ask and Answered, your comprehensive travel guide to the big smoke. Now available everywhere books are sold in both paperback for $19.99 and ebook for $9.99. It's your gateway to the myriad mysteries that London holds. 
Now, as the witching hour approaches and the city's ghosts prepare to roam, I leave you with a spine-chilling snippet from London's Vault of Eerie Tales. Did you know that beneath the bustling streets lies a labyrinth of old plague pits, the final resting place of thousands from bygone epidemics? As you tread the coupled paths, remember that the soil beneath your feet tells tales of eerie yore, a haunting reminder of the city's spectral past. With the wheel of Halloween descending upon us, may your days be filled with ghoulish delight and your nights with eerie whispers from London's ghostly quarters. Until our paths cross again in the next episode, I bid you a chilling farewell and a ghostly cheerio. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.